Gaza, thank you for joining us. Um, it's Christmas Eve. I can't believe it. It's Christmas Eve already. And, uh, you know, I always said there's, there's something about Christmas festive, you know. I mean, growing up in Paris, before I became a Christian, it was a snow, it was a Christmas songs, it was uh, the jingles, it was all of that. And tomorrow, we will be celebrating Christmas. You know, all of us, most of us will be celebrating Christmas. As a matter of fact, billions of people will be celebrating Christmas. And right now, when people think about Christmas, it's all about shopping. You know, shopping, gift, present, food, parties, so on. There's a lot of things. I mean, you can see it on radio, on television. You go to the supermarket in Asda, you Asda, you Tesco, or whatever shop you are in all over the world. They display every item that you can think about Christmas. But the interesting thing is that tomorrow, millions of people will be celebrating Christmas without the guest of honor. And that is my title today. My title is the guest of honor. And I wanted to talk about this guest of honor that many will be celebrating without him, you know. For many celebration, for many gathering, for many home, in many home, the honored guest of Christmas will not be there. It will not be there. They won't be celebrating Christmas. They won't be celebrating Jesus. They will just be celebrating family. And that is the thing. Jesus will be left out in the cold on Christmas Day. It sounds crazy to think this way. But the truth is, when we look at the way our world is today, everything about Christmas is everything except Jesus. And this is what I want us to talk about this morning. When we look, you know, I was reading this uh, this article and listening to one of my favorite um, preachers. I love listening to his word because the way he speaks, about Christ and, and the Word of God, it's it just so profound, so, um, I would say, so deep. And he says something very interesting. He said that, as a matter of fact, from the very beginning, when Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world, there was no room for him. And I have to really go deep, deeper to try to understand what he means by that. From the time Jesus was born, there was no room for him, which is incredible. But if we turn to our Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 7, we've got to try to delve into this. So the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 7 says this, and I read it from the New King James Version. It says this, And she brought forth a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. The near NIV version says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. When we think about it, when we try to meditate on what Christmas is all about, and when we look how the world see Christmas, a room, a place, a gathering, a party, a family meal without Christ in it, is the reason we're celebrating Christmas tomorrow. Is the reason. 
But despite he being the reason why we're celebrating Christmas, it's nowhere to be seen in a gathering, nowhere to be seen in houses, nowhere to be seen. And even when he was born, there was no room for him. When Mary delivered Jesus a son, there was no room for in Bethlehem. We've got to understand this. They couldn't deliver the baby in any way because everything was full. There was no place for Jesus to be born. The only place that was left for Jesus to be born was a farm. A farm full of animals. A farm full of animals. A place where animals would eat, they would sleep, and they would do all the things there. That was the only place that they found for Jesus, for Mary to be able to deliver Jesus. And I mean, this place of barn is a filthy place. We're not talking one of those Polish barns that we're seeing in, in movies, in Hollywood, the way Hollywood depicted it. That was a very proper, proper farm, proper barn, proper manger in that sense. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that he was laid in a manger. He was laid in a manger. As we look in Luke chapter 2 verse 7, he was laid in a manger. And I have to understand what actually was a manger and i read this a manger or crib is a wooden or stone feeding through a food box that holds hay for larger farms animals like cattle horses and donkeys manger were located wherever livestock were kept placed like stable corals or caves the thing is the farmer wanted to make sure to keep the manger well supplied with fodder at all time, so the animal will never get hungry. So the cattle will walk into a manger at any time, and they will spend long hours chomping on whatever was in the manger, chewing and slowly rechewing the cards. That's what it was. That's where Jesus was laid when he was born. He was laid in a place where animals would feed through. That is so important. His birth was insignificant to the world as it is today. Today, as we celebrate in birthday, millions of people find a very significance to celebrate Christmas in that sense. And when we think about it, the only people who actually would celebrate, who honor him, where Joseph and Mary were obviously were their parents, but also the shepherds that were around the area at the time and the wise men from the east. When we look to turn to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 18, and I'm going to put the scripture here, it says this. Now, they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. For there is born to you this day in a city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us know, go to Bethlehem and see these things that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made him widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all of those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. There were a handful of people that knew Jesus was born. As a matter of fact, the other group of people that knew where Jesus was born was the wise men that worshipped Jesus and they presented him with gift. Found in the book of Matthew chapter 2 verse 9 to 11. And he says this, I read it again. When they heard the kings, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over when the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened the treasure, they presented gift to him, gold, frankenstein and myrrh. They were the only people at the time that knew that Jesus was born. Even though his death seemed sorry, his birth seemed very insignificant to many millions of people living out there, those people, as a matter of fact, found it very significant to the point that they worshipped him. The wise men said they led, they, they prostrated themselves on the floor and began to worship him and then presented different gifts to him gold, frankenstein, and myrrh. Which gold represented gift that you give representative of the king. They were giving gold as a representation of him be a king. The the Frankenstein was to represent him as a priest. So that's what they were giving to him. And myrrh was a representation of the work that was going to be done on the cross 30 years later. That is incredible. There was no room for Jesus to be born except in a barn. But what we need to understand, that wasn't just a flock. It wasn't an accident. It was divinely designed by God. God for centuries, I would say even for millennium, he was ready. He got ready to make sure that he would be born in Bethlehem. The prophet Micah that lived 700, prophesied 700 years ago about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem as well. I find it very interesting when I think about Jesus, his upbringing. You know, most of people would think, I used to have conversation with people and they used to ask me this question. Is the son of God, is the almighty God, is the beginning and the end? Why did Jesus decide to be born in a such a way? Why, didn't, why wasn't he born in a palace? Why wasn't he born as a prince, as a king? Why decided to be born 
as a humble man in that sense. It was very, very important. Every step, every step was designed for this moment. There was no fluck. Everything was designed by God. His plan, his detail for his incarnation, for the arrival of his son, everything was designed. Number one, Jesus could be born directly in Bethlehem. God could have found another virgin and another man like Joseph in Bethlehem. He could have. He could have found any of those people in Bethlehem. But now, he decided to find those people outside Bethlehem in Nazareth in that sense. And he chose specifically Mary and Joseph who live in Nazareth, not in Bethlehem. And he planned Mary to get pregnant far from the town that Micah prophesied in that sense. The other thing, God could have arranged to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem by some personal reason. Maybe a relative who need them urgently, I don't know, or a dream or some something or maybe some pre-legal business or thing that they may have to do in Bethlehem that probably would have forced them to get to Bethlehem so Jesus could be born. But he didn't do it this way. What he did, he arranged the most powerful leader at the time that was Caesar to order everyone to be registered in their own town, in their town of origin. That's how everything took place. The only reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because um, um, is because they are to go to Bethlehem to be registered. This is a very incredible when you think about it. Joseph was from Bethlehem. He was from the lineage of David and he needed to be registered in Bethlehem and therefore that was took place. Jesus was in a manga because God wanted him to be born there. God wanted him to be born there for a specific reason. I used to ask myself, what would have happened if Jesus would have been born in a palace? What would have happened to him? I think he would be isolated. That's my thinking. I think he would have been isolated completely. I don't think he would have been open and be accessible to everyone like he was during his time of ministry i think that's the reason i believe so i don't think that it was just just for the fact of it i think he needed to be there because he needed to be born in humility not in glory and splendor that's very interesting we know that when jesus called us on to him we will see him in his glory and splendor. We know that when Jesus called on to us, into him during the rapture, it will be also in glory and splendor. And we also know that when Jesus returns, it will be in glory and splendor. There won't be, anyone won't be able to tell that they don't see Jesus in all his glory and all his splendor. But the plan that God had for Jesus at that time was to be born in humility, no in power, no in glory. And as I mentioned, if he was born in a palace, he would be isolated. I think he'd be isolated, he'd be so protected. I mean, we can see now when we look at today, our kings, 
and uh, and princes here they have security guard everywhere they go they are well protected well guarded and god needed jesus to be accessible to everyone every single one whether the poor the weak the needed everyone needed to have access to jesus and that's what it was and it's a quite interesting that by jesus be accessible he was able to come to call us unto him i love the scripture in luke 4 18 19 which says this and let's see if i can put it on the screen for you guys it says this the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captive and recover of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord there was no way that jesus would be able to be accessible to everyone if he was born in a rich family god knew what he was doing and he specifically designed it in his perspective so jesus could be accessible to everyone jesus could identify to each one of us because of his lifestyle because of everything that has been through he was able to reach out millions of people in essence he was able to reach out to the widows he was able to reach out to the poor he was able to reach out to the needy he was able to reach out to the rich people he was able to reach out to every single person because of his status because of who he was where he was born and even today jesus still calling us onto him even today as we speak Unfortunately, when I think about Christmas, the world says, as I said mentioned, they have no room for, Christ, for, for Jesus. Even the celebration, they have no room for him in these days. They still have no room for him today. Jesus is not celebrated tomorrow. He won't be celebrated by millions of people. People we sat down, eat their food, Whatever they cooked, their they turkey, their jollof rice, their they, they rice, whatever they have, they will eat it without thinking about Jesus, without thinking about what a birth will present. The children will open their present under the Christmas tree without thinking about what, it, what is their present. Some will even, you know, celebrate their birthday on Christmas Day as well, still not thinking about what Jesus done for us. Today, many people have forgotten the meaning of Christmas. The word Christ from Christmas now has been removed and replaced by the word, the letter X. The word Christmas, when we think about it, is even sometimes completely removed and they call it winter festive. Just for political correctness. Bit by bit, we see Jesus be removed of our society. We look, in our, we look in our school, there is no more room for Jesus. But there is more room for transgender ideology, other religion than Jesus when it comes to Christmas. It's a quite interesting that school, which is, should be a place of learning, there is no place for the one who bring 
learning, source enlightenment, knowledge, Jesus. And it's interesting that in, in our government, there's no room for Jesus anymore. The one who governed the universe, then there's still no room for him in our society. We see our name be forbidden everywhere. Some people are dying for the name of Christ everywhere in the world, just to mention his name. We see his name be forbidden in the Lord of Courts, in the Court of Law, sorry. We see his name be mocked in that sense, blasphemed, his identity stripped and deprived. Even in some of our churches as well, there is no room for Jesus. They would talk about him in service as normal, but they would strip him of his divine power. Everything about who Jesus is, his authority, his power, they will remove it. We just have to look at the, the, the lukewarm church in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 from verse 40 to 20, and I'll put it on the screen as well. As he says this, And to the angel of the church of the Laodicean write, this thing says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning and the creation of God. He says this, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were hot or cold, or cold or what. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in a fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be cloth, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyeslet, that you may see. And he goes on to say in verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. And I love this part. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. We need to make room for Jesus. Wherever we are, whatever we do. And I don't want us to do this just because it's Christmas tomorrow, but we need to make room for him now. We need to make space. We need to allow him to come into our lives, to allow him to come into our midst, to allow him to come into whatever we're doing. We need to allow him to take over and control of our life, to guide us, to direct us. We need to stand by him. We need to stand with him. As I'm mentioning, this room, this world has no room for Jesus wherever we go. They have no room for Jesus. You know, it was quite interesting. Was it a couple of months ago? Um, I think Master sent me um, um, a message and, and a, a video, or not a video, an article. Uh, and I was reading this article, this, this, this preacher that went to preach the word of Jesus and, and, and got shot, shot and killed. Um, and you would think this is places like in remote places and the places when there's always persecution towards uh, believers. 
that was in the states in 90 states and more and more we are seeing those kind of rage towards christ or towards believers of jesus christ we see people blaspheming the name of jesus we see this word using the word of jesus in vain you know in that sense but we need to stand as people of god you know the, the bible is is very clear you know as we're celebrating christmas and and we are going to enjoy family time with our family members we are going to enjoy friends we are going to enjoy each other we are going to enjoy presents and so on because it's a part of it you know what christmas give as well is the element of of sharing that element of love that that element of compassion but we want to we want that to stay we don't want it to to just come for 24 hours and then on boxing day it's something else we want it to be able to stay and stay with us but the important thing is we need to make room for jesus we need to make room for him as he's making room for us in heaven do you know in the book of john chapter 14 verse 1 to 6 it speak of jesus building houses for us it says this and i turn it to you as well in john chapter 14 verse 1 to 6 says this let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many many mansions if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And he goes on to say, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how you can know the way. But Jesus replied and he says to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is our hope. This is what Jesus is doing. This is Jesus making preparation for us in heaven. And it is sad to say that the way the world has portrayed heaven and hell is very different to what Jesus says. Many people today in this will believe that because they are good, they've done good deeds, or they've done good things, they will go to heaven. But Jesus is very specific and is very clear. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. And no one goes to the Father except through him no one goes to heaven except through jesus jesus wants to make room he wants to be part of our lives not only on the monday not only on the sunday for a few hours in church but he want to be part of our life every single day and every single hours that's what he wants he wants to fellowship with us and for those who are not born again he wants to have a relationship with us fellowship is very like a christian term that we use but truly what he wants, it's a relationship with us. He wants to be our friend. Yes, he is the king. He is the creator of the universe. He is the alpha and the omega. But he wants more than just that. He wants to be our friend. And that's why he came. He came into this world. Number one, to make sure that we have eternal life with him. Number two, to reconcile us with the Father, to have relationship 
with him. Number three, to be completely fulfilled. You know, everybody's asking, what is my purpose in life? What is this? When you find Jesus, you find your purpose in life. And God wants this. He wants that relationship. He wants to be intimate with her. He wants to be our best friend. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to be our best friend. So we need to make room for him. Because he has made room for us. He has created a new paradigm when he died on the cross for us. And he has created a new way for each one of us to live according with him. He has, as a matter of fact, he has given us the opportunity to be called son and daughters of the living God just by giving his life to us. We didn't have to buy for it. We didn't have to pay this. He's done it for us. Everything that Jesus has done, he's done it for us. Everything that Jesus has done is done it for us because the Father asked him to do it. Everything that has done it is done for us. And Jesus today is knocking on the door for many of us. Like in the church, the lukewarm church, like the church of the Laodicean. Even though those guys thought that they had everything that they didn't need Jesus, that they could run the church without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus. Jesus still knocking on that door. I remember something. Before I gave my life to Jesus, I was having those those funny those dreams and, and they were dreams kind of end times type of dreams that I was having all the time and and that's probably go on for quite a good year before I, I really start to 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 look what was going on. And I clearly rem- I will never forget this this visitation from the Lord. And my prayer is that you will also have this visitation from the Lord. But I remember this visitation very clearly, like it was yesterday. And I, I know I spoke to my to my to my children and, and so on. So many of us know that. But I was walking and I know exactly so much and I know exactly the street where I was walking when exactly he happened. That tell you exactly. And I knew exactly which period it was. It was during the bonfire night back in November. And he was in the city of London in Cheapside, you know, which is the place I used to work back in the days in that sense. And I was just finished my shift and I was on my way on my way home. And as I was walking home, I heard an explosion in the sky. I heard it's like a, a supersonic explosion. It's almost like it's a, what it's the type of explosion you hear when the when the plane, those those fast planes, you know, you know, break the speed of light. It was like a massive boom and an explosion. And then I saw a flashing, massive, flashy, blue, fluorescent, purple, all different colors. Colors I couldn't even, I can't even explain the colors that I've seen today because I can't explain it. And it was going from one side of the sky to the other one in that sense with this massive bang and sound. And as I was mesmerized by what I was seeing it, I then started looking around me. And all I could see, people were just walking like they nothing happened. They never heard anything. And I thought to myself, what is going on here? I thought I'd gone crazy. I feel really gone crazy. Maybe I was. In those days, I was smoking weed. So maybe I, I had a bit too much at the time. But I, nevertheless, I got crazy. And as I walked, on the right side, there was a man just standing in front of me. It was a black man standing in front of me. He had like a black clothes on him and he had like a white t-shirt. I tell you, I remember it because it was so vivid. And he looked at me. And this is what he said to me clearly. He said, God is calling you. 
God is knocking on your door. You need to open your heart to him. That's what he said. And I looked at him and I said, I smiled to him and I said, okay. Before I used to, when people used to come to me about Jesus, I used to rebuke them. But this time I said, okay. And it took me another year, two years to come to Christ. But nevertheless, that was my visitation. That was my God knocking on on the door of my heart saying, make room for me because I'm coming in. I want to come in. And I'm just telling you this, for whoever is listening on YouTube or on Zoom, make room for God. Receive him. If you haven't received him the way that you need to, begin to receive him. Make room. Use that opportunity. This day, this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, to make that commitment. To open your heart to him again. To receive him. To let coming in. He's knocking on the doors of many. And he wants to fill us completely with his love. With his grace. With his mercy. With everything. And we just need to receive him. So I want to pray as I hand up with this. Really to pray for those who are online, on YouTube, on Zoom here. Just pray and receive what God is giving you. Father, I thank you this morning for just the opportunity to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you have done on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, that you have shed your blood for us on the cross. And Lord, as you're knocking on the doors, as you're knocking on the doors of our hearts, Father, Lord, we want to make room for you. We want to make room for you in our lives. We want to make room for you in our marriages. We want to make room for you in our finances. We want to make room for you in our decision making. We want to make room for you in everything that we do. Lord, receive us as we open our heart to you. We receive you. We receive you, Lord. We receive you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We glorify you, name because, Lord, you deserve all the glory. And Lord, are we celebrating your birthday today, tomorrow? Lord, let us remember, let us remember that it is about you, Father. And let your grace, your favor, your joy fill every household, Lord. I pray for those also who lost loved ones over the last few years. Lord, that you will fill their home with peace, with joy, and with strength. We pray that you will warm their heart in this time. That you will strengthen in this time. And Lord, I pray also for those who will be alone tomorrow. Those who are suffering. Those who are still going through conflict. Those in Israel and Palestine, those in Ukraine, and those in other parts of the world. I pray, Father, Lord, that your grace will manifest in their lives, Father. Lord, that they will feel your presence, Lord, tomorrow. And they will know that there is a God and you are the Lord of all and the King of kings. I pray, Father, as they turn their heart, their heart towards you, Lord, that you will open their mind to receive you. Holy Spirit, begin to move in those countries. Begin to move in those places. Begin to move in those people. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.